So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having a fantastic day. And um, greetings from Germany. I am still recording here in Germany and having a really, really good time. And I hope you are too. Forgive the background noise if you hear some birds, some crickets. Uh, that's just because I'm outside and we're in a pretty rural community. And I really wanted to record content while I was out here. I didn't know how much of it was going to happen. And so it's a real treat to be able to come to you today from northern Germany. We're in a place called Grossen Aspe. And yeah, it's been really cool. Today, uh, I'm talking about um, something that's, that I learned on this trip. And this is talking about a paragliding experience I had. This is not meant to be like, a, look at how cool my life is. I paraglided in Switzerland. And I just want to share with you guys about how awesome my life is. So you guys could like totally respect me more. Uh, this is not one of those episodes. Gosh, I try so hard to make sure that nothing we do ever comes across that way. And I, I wanted to talk about this today because really this is a, a story about overcoming fear. So I want to start broad in this episode. I'm going to talk about fear. Uh, I'm going to give you some specific context to my situation and why paragliding was confronting several fears, but one in particular, and then some of the learning lessons and the takeaways on the other end. Fear is a liar. Um, And it's interesting. This is a statement that I've seen on shirts and I've heard in churches and it, it is true, but the other part is fear is survival. You know, if you and I experienced no fear in our life, we would be awful parents. Uh, our, the human race would have probably gone extinct centuries ago, maybe millennia ago. And life as we know it would more or less not exist. Many of the innovations and developments and advancements in the human race, in the technological world, in um, you know agriculture and economics and basically all across the spectrum, much of it has actually been impacted or influenced by fear. Let me give you a really basic example. I have this this terrible fear that that my air conditioner is gonna is gonna run in like way longer than it should while my wife and I are away. But I have an app with my Ecobee that allows me to just connect, check the temperature in the house. And boom, good to go. Very small innovation, obviously, but an example of how fear, the fear that's actually reasonably legitimate, can, can be dealt with because of this app. Technology has given me a chance to actually process fear, work through my fears. Very small fear, very small example. Hopefully you get the idea. If you can imagine a parent raising a child, imagine that they are playing on their, their front yard and the child starts to walk towards the road, probably run towards the road if we're being more realistic. Well, fear is what engages the part of the parent's brain that says you need to go stop your kid and you should probably yell at them and tell them to stop right now before they do something and they get hurt. 
These are positive parts of fear. They, they allow us to survive. They allow us to adapt. They ultimately allow us to grow and to develop. So to say that fear is a liar is true, but we have to just put some context into this. When we're talking about that, what we're really talking about is irrational fears, fears that hinder us from being the people we're made to be, from doing the things God's called us to do, and from striving or from, from furthering our own development into the things that we were made for, the things that you were born for. And this is where fear is often a liar. Fear tells us that we are not enough. Fear tells us that we're going to be judged and it's not worth the pain of rejection. Fear tells us that, you know, there's not enough resources out there. Fear tells us that so-and-so had it so much easier. That's why they were able to do it. And that's why I'll never be able to do it. Fear is the thing that ultimately keeps us hidden. It keeps us capped. It keeps us, um, it keeps us you know, limited. And so our, our mandate as believers uh, in, in a God who is not afraid of anything is to identify when fear is having a negative impact on our lives and addressing it. And the question, of course, is how? Because fear can be crippling. It can literally be crippling. It can be paralyzing. It can be anxiety-inducing. And actually, with time, fear becomes incredibly comfortable. I, I think of myself, um, some of the things that I've wanted to do that I'm doing today, you know, getting a chance to speak, even this trip we're on, I think about the podcast, I think about having a business, you know, where I'm helping guys get free and I'm able to provide an income for my family to live off of. These are things that I've dreamt about, but I was too afraid to do them for a long time. And it actually became very comfortable to say, yeah, I'm just looking for my next opportunity or I'm just waiting for God, I'm waiting on God's timing. Um, you know, I just haven't got a current confirmation for that yet, or I don't feel peace in my heart about it. It was so easy to kind of medicate the fear because it was much more comfortable to be afraid than it was to actually step out and conquer the fear because that requires discomfort, that requires change. And those are things we naturally don't gravitate towards. Now, I've become a lot better over the years, and this kind of transitions into the story, which is that I am terrified, uh, terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified, I'm also terrified of heights. I'm really, really afraid of heights. And I was actually a very scared child. Like, fear was just something that kind of crippled me as a kid. I mean, I, would cr- I was the kid who sat at the, the door of play school and just cried when my mom left me because I was positive that if I cried long enough and hard enough that the teachers would just go, you know what, just call this kid's mom, get him back or get her back over here. This is unbearable. I thought for sure. And they never did. And eventually, I, you know, I kind of grew out of it. But I was, I mean, I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of, um, of heights. Like I mentioned, I was afraid of water. Still, I'm afraid of water and swimming and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was even afraid of the car wash. <laughs> I was afraid of the car wash. I have no idea why. But I grew up a very scared kid. And And I've been thinking about this whole subject of fear lately because people have been telling me that they admire my courage, you know, and they admire the bravery and they've seen me, you know, for some people starting my business, for some people just talking so publicly about a touchy subject like pornography. And, you know, there's different reasons, but it's... Um, it's incredibly humbling to to be seen as someone who's courageous when actually much of my life story, especially as a kid, is about being afraid. So I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of water. I'm afraid of swimming, um, even though I have a pool. So, you know, go figure that one out. Um, that pool wasn't by choice. It just came with the house we bought. But 
all this to say is I have made an effort probably in the last, I don't know, five years or so to really take just about every opportunity I get to conquer my fears of these different things. So I jump into my pool every day, even though it scares the heck out of me. Uh, Every day in the summer, just to clarify, that's like two months of the year in Canada uh, when we can actually use our pool. And, um, And when I get chances to, you know, to do something off heights, Usually I'm up for the challenge. And so when my wife got, uh, my, when my wife and I got married and we went to Jamaica, we did some cliff jumping off a very famous cliff there called Rick's Cafe. And that was terrifying and amazing all at the same time. And when we made plans to go to Switzerland, my wife was like, oh, wow, they, they like, you can go paragliding off this mountain. We got to do it. And I didn't even really think twice about it. I, I definitely had the like, oh my gosh, really? We were really going to do that? Oh, it sounds really cool. Okay, let's do it. You know, like I'll figure it out later. <laughs> like that's for future Sathya to worry about. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I, I definitely, definitely had some, some doubts in the back of my head, even when I made the choice to do it. But I thought, whatever, we'll figure it out. So, you know, we, uh, we go to Switzerland and we were there for a friend's wedding and I, I spoke at a church and, um, and where my friend's wedding was, uh, the, the, the venue was across the street from the field where the paragliders land. And so literally all weekend, we're seeing these paragliders come in. They're paragliding in over the town. We can see them coming off the mountain. And you're literally just getting a preview every single day of like, this is going to be you. And we had scheduled the paragliding for a couple days after the wedding. So anyway, we kind of got a taste of it. And it, it kind of made things worse for me because I'm thinking about it more. I'm like, wow, they're really high up. Like when they first start, you can kind of just see, like you barely see them. They're so tiny. And so your brain is starting to grasp just the magnitude of what you've committed to. And, um, and so anyways, just very, very interesting stuff. And so the day comes and we get in the bus and we're driving up the hill and it just keeps going and going and, you know, it's a windy road and you think, oh yeah, this, this is probably the last turn. We're so high up, you know, like surely this can't keep going, uh, but it just kept going. And then there's another turn and there's another turn and there's another turn. And, um, and so anyway, we finally get to the top and I have, uh, an instructor and so she's, you know, she's just talking me through it and she's clipping me in and. And basically, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe some of you haven't done this before. I, I don't know if this is a common thing or not. But basically, you're you're locked in. The parachute is behind you on the ground. You take a couple steps forward, just slow steps, and the parachute starts to lift. And once it's lifted, then you take flight. And me especially, like the person who's not the instructor, not not the, the um, I don't know, whatever it is, like the uh, the trained person you're the one that has to really do the running. So you start running and running and running and eventually it starts to catch wind and then you lean back uh, once it's once it's lifted and you're off to the races. And so it just happens so quickly, you know? And it was the most incredible experience of my life. Very few times that I actually experienced fear once I was locked in. And it was really interesting because the day before, my wife and I had taken a gondola up a mountain there called Grindelwald. Or not, it's not, a, the mountain's not called Grindelwald. The mountain's called Eiger, but the area's called Grindelwald. And it's this beautiful, surreal place. I mean, all the pictures we, ta- we took, they literally look photoshopped. And there's this big cliff in Grindelwald. 
and they've built a walkway along the cliff. You're literally walking along the cliff and there's, there's just, there's very little underneath you and you can look over and those things are really hard for me. That's, that's where my fear of heights is at its worst. And so I, I went out a little bit, probably about a hundred meters is probably about, you know, 500 meters all around. And after about a hundred meters, I told my wife, Hey, I think I'm going to go back. You know, like I, I did my best, but I could just feel the, the nerves rising up and I wasn't able to really keep it calm. And, and that was supposed to be a restful day. So there were a couple of things that just made me say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of cut my losses there. I'll save some of my <laughs> expenditures for tomorrow. Cause I'm going to be paragliding. And it was so fascinating because as I'm sitting in the harness, and paragliding, you know, we're literally over a city, like it, it would literally just take one, uh, one really bad thing to happen and life is over as you know it. But I've never felt more calm because I'm locked in. And there's something about being locked in that gives me a lot more comfort than being on a walkway where one bad step and I'm done. And, uh, and that, that just remember that. Okay. Just, just keep that in the back of your brain because that, that was the big takeaway that I learned from this experience. But it, it was um, it was an amazing time just overlooking this the the little village of Interlaken. Interlaken literally means between lakes. There's two huge lakes that are gorgeous, this kind of surreal blue. There's a village in between and a river that runs through it to connect the two lakes. And then all of this is surrounded by mountains and Alps. So it's just I, I mean it's kind of mind blowing what you're looking at. And probably about 10, 12 minutes in the air and um, you know, they're, you're kind of twisting and turning and going around and, and she's showing me like all the different parts of the mountains. And, um, my instructor was, uh, amazing. Uh, Sonia was her name. She was fantastic. And, um, and so it was, it was really, really cool. Um, and I'm so glad I did it. And I had a few moments up there where I, I was kind of freaking out like, oh my gosh, you know, just one step away from something happening. But, but more or less, I was calm. I was collect. I enjoyed it. And I was able to remind myself that fear is a liar. My fear of heights is more or less a lie. And that was, that was kind of this, I guess it's one of the lessons, but it's something that I've been learning again and again and again. And it is one thing I'll, I'll remind you guys, you've probably heard me say it before, but if you have a fear in your life, you cannot conquer it with psychology. You can't conquer fear with theory. You can't conquer fear with somebody else's experience. All of these things can be used to assist you in your conquering a fear. But ultimately, there's only one thing that truly helps you conquer fear, and that is action. If you're afraid of heights and you never expose yourself to elevated experiences, you will always stay afraid of heights. It's, it doesn't matter how much you, you reason, how many books you read. Uh, it doesn't matter if you calculate some probabilities and whatever else. Your fear of heights will remain until you experience heights and realize, I'm safe. I can survive this. If you're afraid of talking to a loved one about your struggle with porn addiction, well, you can rationalize and reason. You can hear other people's experiences like you have on this podcast that have you know talked to their spouses and had major breakthroughs. But until you actually do it, the fear will always remain to some extent. You can ignore it. You can numb out. But that doesn't mean it's gone anywhere. To truly dissolve the fear, you have to face it head on. So I think that's one of the big lessons that I wanted to share. But um, the second one was much, much more interesting and I guess a little bit novel to this experience while I was paragliding. 
because I, I experienced a contrast. I was thinking, why am I so afraid? Like, why was the walkway so scary? But paragliding, which, you know, would have all of the same risks, so much less scary. And as I kind of broke it down a little bit, I realized that all of it boiled down to control. And when I am standing on the walkway, I am afraid because I am in control. <laughs> that's, that's what actually makes that situation so scary for me being on the walkway around the cliff. Okay, not the paragliding, but when I'm on the cliff and I'm on a walkway because I could make one bad step. If I do one bad thing, it's over. Now, again, that's like a little bit dramatic, right? But that's just the fear talking in my head. It's like, I'm in control here. Nobody else is responsible, like other than the person who built the walkway, who's not present. So it's up to me. And what I realize is it's not just that I'm afraid of heights. It's that I'm afraid of situations where um, I'm afraid of heights rather when I am fully in control of the outcome. When I was paragliding, I was actually responsible for very little. Like I said, I had to get the running start, but then I get to sit back and the person who is, um, who's with me, she's the one who is steering it. She's watching the wind, doing whatever it is that she needs to do to make sure that we're safe. And so I could lean back and certainly had some moments of fear, but the, the responsibility was shifted primarily to somebody else. And so what I realized, it's not just that I'm afraid of heights, it's that I don't trust myself with heights. And that actually makes perfect sense because when I was feeling that kind of nervousness and anxiety going on the cliff and, and walking along the walkway, it was it was this this thing of like, I don't trust myself because one bad step and you know, you kind of start thinking about if I make a bad step and then this and that. And I realized this is what people do with recovery. This is what we do with so many areas of our life is we think, oh my gosh, if I make one bad step, like how am I ever going to survive? right? Like that's the fear of heights. It's like, if I make one bad step, I'm not going to survive. How am I ever going to recover? I won't recover because I'll die. And that same mechanism that was operating in my brain in that moment is the same mechanism that stops you from getting the help you need, from talking to the people you need to talk to, from taking some of the risks that are associated with recovery in the name of, you know, not wanting to, to make a big scene, not wanting to make this worse in the name of fear, Ultimately, it's fear. And so I, um, you know, I don't have like a huge, um, a huge exhortation out of this. But all I can say is that um, it has given me some clarity on what I need to focus on to grow in this area of my life where I'm afraid of heights. I realize that I actually need to put myself in more situations where I am in control of the outcome solely. Because as I get positive experiences where I'm in control of the outcome, the fear is going to start to evolve and eventually dis dissipate. That's the goal at least. And if not that, at the very least, it's going to be reduced. So again, I can't, I can't fully control what happens there, but I'm going to do my best. And I want to encourage you to do the same because while I may not always get a chance to go on a walkway above a cliff, I may not always get a chance to paraglide over an entire town in the Swiss Alps, you always have the opportunity to confront some of those more intrinsic fears the fear of being found out, the fear of being judged, the fear of being rejected. In fact, these are, these are fears that we get the opportunity to confront on a very regular basis. 
And what I want to encourage you to do is to take advantage of those opportunities. Don't let them pass you by because these are moments that you get in life that give you a chance to become more of the person God made you to be, to conquer the lies that come with fear, and more importantly, the the limitations in our capacity, and they allow us to step into all that God's created us for to become the people he created us to be. So that's everything for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.